If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast all in one place. They have tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app on Apple or Android or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Now back to the good part. Welcome back to the Boundary Corner Podcast. I'm Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler, buddy. It is a Monday night. This is not a normal recording night for us. It feels a little different. Monday, been a long, great Christmas weekend. A little unusual, but you're off this week. I'm working a few hours here and there over the next couple days. Buddy, how was your Christmas? It was good, man. It was it was more it was relaxing, or at least as relaxing as it can be, considering I had to drive to South Boston and Virginia Beach. So I'll take it. We were down down at Mom's a couple of days, down at uh, my wife's mom's a couple of days, and in the middle we were here for about twelve hours, fifteen hours <laughs> uh, on uh, Christmas Eve into Christmas Day. So it was a little, little hectic, but we got it done. Um, how about your family? Uh, we were good, man. Just just up here with the in-laws. We're figuring out a time to uh, for my mother to come up and visit with us um, sometime over the next couple weeks. We'll figure that out. But it was good. It was, you know, not as rushing. Usually it's where, you know, we do Christmas morning here and then we go out to my wife's family. And then usually a couple days later, we're seeing my family and going down. So, you know, different this year. Just with the brother-in-laws for dinner Christmas Eve. They all came over here Christmas morning. And then my mother-in-law fixed us a nice dinner on uh, Christmas Day night because we literally had nothing to do. It was just kind of like, what do you, what do you want to do? Nice. And she said, well, I'll make something. Y'all can come over. Like, cool. Um, the the kids the kids cleaned up. Nice. Yeah, same here. Um, my, uh, my living room and the playroom that you know of looked literally like a bomb went off yeah christmas day walking in like it's casualty it's like good god and then as you for you guys who are younger without kids that listen to us don't don't try to clean it up on christmas day just just don't it's it's you're wasting your time yeah i mean by the time you clean it up like the next round happens and then or something else gets open for the first time and it's a brand new level of mess. Um, you kind of just let it all happen. Do kind of one big scoop, make your dump run, and then easy peasy. It is. It's, it's really funny because, you know, 
we're sitting here and I got tons of Marvel stuff for the kid. The kids got tons of Marvel stuff from Santa Claus, Mario stuff, so many things here and there. And it was just kind of like it started. So Friday did nothing. Saturday didn't touch it until the evening when my youngest, my older son, he got a board game, got sorry, the classic sorry. And little bro went to bed early. He got to stay up late. And he wanted to play. I'm like, cool. Listen, we need the Ottoman, which is currently buried behind a bunch of your toys. <laughs> you need to clear your path and clear stuff in here and get the Ottoman in. I left and four minutes later, a good amount of toys were picked up and the Ottoman was rolled in. <laughs> nice. Nice. And then I essentially went and beat he and my wife on Clara, which my wife was real salty about. Oh, oh. Because, she gets salty with board games? Uh, she gets salty, yeah. Yeah, you should be good. But she always claims that I sit here and uh, I look like I have no chance that I am going to win. And then I pull the ultimate comebacks. Sorry, literally all four of mine on starts. They have three of four out all rolling. Your boy came back. Hey. One. Fourth quarter comeback. I like it. I yeah. like it. So, yeah, man. But uh, it's been great. And like, you know, he said it's a Monday. He's off. I'm working some hours this week. We're going to be watching a lot of football. Well, starting tonight, rolling on literally until, what, next Monday? Oh, yeah. Sunday. Sunday. So this, this is the, uh, the, the good times, fellas, although it's not quite as good as it normally is. But, you know. Hey, enjoy it. Yeah. Enjoy it. We could be playing somewhere. We chose not to. There's your big thing you can say. We chose not to. Um, and for everybody that listened last week, we really appreciate it. Um, we appreciated Jeremy for coming on. Um, our highest viewed episode ever. So well done, guys. You did it. Very we much. appreciate you. Yep. Thank y'all very much for that. And uh, you know. Yeah, it was a good week. It was a good week. Good, good. Enjoy Christmas. Good to have uh, have some things looking nice. You know, I, I wish things were going as good in Hokie Nation, but we did get some good news a little bit earlier today, buddy. Damn right, man. Big Stone Gap releases a little video. Well, first, when you saw it come up, like I did, it was like, oh, why is this a video? Oh, oh no. Oh, no. This is not going to be good. Oh, no. And then, it, you know. You watch it, you get to the last, and it's like, I'm back. And it's like, thank you. And yes. And as me and Brian have already sort of put out there, our logical side of our brains don't feel good about next year. We just don't. Having James back helps somewhat. It not it makes us super happy. He's an awesome player. He comes back and balls again. He's going to push himself into the upper regions of the NFL draft. Um, he goes from probably being the like in the top five of the class this year to probably being in the top two or three next year, maybe even head of that class. So, I mean, it's probably a good thing for him. It's definitely a good thing for us, obviously, getting him back. So, 
Um, win-win here on, on this part. I mean, you, you could make your argument you strike while the iron's hot, but at the same time, I think he does have room where he can improve his stock if he has another good season or at least a season like he had this year. I think that stock will go up just because there won't be quite as deep at tight end next season with the with the guys coming out. So um, should be good either way there. Obviously, we love having him back. I mean, versatile player, do a little bit of everything. His blocking has gotten a, a whole lot better in the last year. Um, I, that, we saw that on, on field, on tape this year. So that's big, and that's going to be helpful in the – with an offensive line that we'll talk about later that may may have some uh, some holes to fill. So uh, yeah. good to have Big Stone Gap back in the uh, in the fold here. Absolutely, and you know, like you said, it's the versatility, and I think next year even more of the versatility, probably showing his hands more, his blocking's improved, um, and just his body type, just to get slightly, it's like to get slightly more fit to sort of slightly this much in these particular areas. And to go from a guy who's probably going to get drafted fifth to seventh round to potentially first two days, if he goes out and you look at his body type, potentially what he could do at the combine, um, really shooting himself up into that upper echelon. But Brian, you know, everything hadn't been sunshine and roses. And the guy that I would say kind of kicked it off, um, and no disrespect to him, but Kind of kicked it off after the pit game. Quincy Patterson goes to North Dakota State. I'm happy. And the reason I'm happy he landed there and not, you know, in Illinois or, you know, on Nebraska, he's going somewhere where there's an unbelievable culture. They win football games. He's going to be able to showcase himself day one. Yeah, that that's the big thing is that they have a history of, kind of taking the bigger body quarterbacks and getting a lot out of them, teaching them to um, learn offenses very well. They have a winning culture. They're known to put points on the board. I think it's a very good fit for him. I think it's a very good fit for their school. Um, and if he if he's leaving us, I'm happy that he's going somewhere where I think he's going to make some noise. And, yeah. and, and even though you know you're taking a step down here, that's a school that is on everybody's radar in the NFL. So there's still potential there for him to make a, a, a splash later on uh, on that front. It absolutely is. That's the big key. It's eyes are on him. They get national attention. They're not yeah. sitting out there on the deepest, you know, ESPN three channel. If you can think of. So, you know, I mean, they play more big games than, uh, than Illinois does. It's true. It's very true. And obviously it will probably have, I'll have to look at their schedule for next year, but um, probably going to have the potential to, uh, you know, play some sort of big school right out of the gate. And um, let me see if I can find it here. It's one of those things. Yep. I'm going to effort it guys. Efforting. Efforting, efforting. Well, they're playing a spring season. So can we get 2021 fall? Yeah, because I don't think he's going to be playing. I don't think he's eligible to play in the spring season, if I read everything correctly about that, because of how many snaps he played in 2020 for us. Um, looking here, actually, probably nope. wasn't it wasn't enough snaps for my satisfaction either. So he's got a bad, you know, exactly. not the greatest thing there. But actually, you know, no big game for them next year. So yeah. Um, 
Another guy that moved that was moving on, Daryl Simmons, committed to Stephen F. Austin uh, just a couple of days ago. Um, good for him as well. Um, big bodied guy, six two. Wish he would have hung around. Feel like they could have used him, but I think it's to a point now where if guys aren't seeing themselves there, they're going to move on because you got to have tape. You yeah. can, you've got to have tape, and you know they're going to a you know pretty decent school. I mean they. Stephen F. Austin went six and four this year. And, you know. Can I ask you something, though, buddy? Yeah. We have had a lot of wide receiver recruits that have transferred out of the program. It's true. Um, Is some of the problem the fact that we're not, when these guys are getting on the field, we're not doing a good job of getting them any sort of targets or anything like that? I feel like when, when we've got, the usual suspects on the field, they get, I mean, they're, they're still under targeted, but they're the only ones getting the actual targets in the passing game. It seemed like as soon as some of the other guys came on the field, whether it was fairs or Changa or any of those other guys, like we just either went straight run or we're targeting tight ends or running backs um, (laughs) when they were in there. I mean, it just, it seemed like we weren't getting opportunities for guys that weren't named Turner or Tavion Robinson. I mean, that that's just Turner, what it was. Turner, Tay, or Big Stone? Yeah, yeah. It's and you, all right, Brian. We don't want to start cursing again because <laughs> yeah, we do. Well, good lord, it's it it again. It it reflects upon what we're doing on the offense, and that's where it's irritating. And the irritating piece too is, and, and people have highlighted this on Twitter. Oh, we want to rotate like six or seven wide receivers. Well, you don't. Um, and, and then when you, you do, you don't do anything to get the other guys not named Trey or Tay involved in the offense. Exactly. Um, and I mean, it's, it's only so many wide receivers that are going to sit the bench, and then when they get on the field, just block. Yeah. Hey, we want you to go block or just run. It'd be a decoy. No, screw you. I want to, like, I'm here to attempt to get into the NFL. I need to show more than blocking highlights on tape. Um, and you know, you, you kind of think with Simmons, especially as Fairs and Hodge, along with the two big ones, they were getting the PT. Some of these guys weren't. It's just like, okay, we've got to go. And you, you, I don't fault them for it. Um, but it, it is what it is. And you know, again, why is our logic we don't feel good about next year? There's another reason, and we are full forward with. No change. All right. Um, I don't know how to take feel about this next news. Okay. Because I love the guy as a player. But Gerard Hewitt essentially not returning, going to give the NFL a shot. A, you lose a huge leader on the defensive line. A workout warrior who obviously gives 100% all the time. Although he's undersized at, you know, six foot one, two eighty five for what we want to do now. He's a vocal leader and a leader by example. So I mean that those are good guys to have on your roster, even if they're not your your frontline players. And the fact that he was also that to some degree, that that's gonna hurt a little bit. Um now I do think based on the way the system I mean, obviously we're we're full go with what we were doing this year again next year, so 
the the further we get into that and the further other players get into that, his body type is going to work himself out of snaps. It's very true. And I I, I get maybe if he's saying this is the best my tape is going to look if I'm going to take a shot at the NFL and and is going to run with that. Exactly. And then you kind of think next year, one guy that you kind of – I'm not saying you were impressed by, but you were intrigued at times how he played was Josh Fuga. Although Fuga's only six foot, Fuga's 305. He's huge. You've got Crawford, who's a 300-pounder. You've got Cunningham coming back next year at 300-pounder. You've got Pollard's undersized, but you've got Kendricks, who's getting up there. And Kendricks is that guy with that about six two and a half height. Yep. And some of the other guys that we've recruited, 6'3", already 2'9". He's in the upper 280s, too, so he's still – he's a load, even though if he's not quite that 300-pound range that you're looking for. Oh. Um, and I, I just feel like those guys are going to start creeping into uh, Hewitt's snaps this year, and so that that might be what the move is about. But, again, you can't undersell the, 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 the impact of his leadership on that line. So that's going to be the thing I think we missed the most. And, you know, a couple boneheaded plays this year, um, but on yeah. the whole, you know, play, plays with his heart on his sleeve, workout warrior is always giving 110%. So guys like that definitely help the morale and the rest of the line. So it's, it's definitely going to be a, a blow there, but um, in terms of just on the field product, I, I feel like it's going to be, close to a wash but uh definitely going to miss that leadership absolutely all right well let's get into probably the along with the two quarterbacks with Hendon who's still out in the portal and Quincy the two biggest named players high profile high recruits four stars top 100 top two four sevens players Brian Hudson and Doug Nestor everybody knows they're in the portal and me and Brian were talking a couple of days before it happened. We we're texting back and forth. And it's like, you text me, Brian. It's like, I, I, I keep hearing this and I don't want this. But um, Doug Nestor, start with him. Yep. Uh, just a couple of days ago, commits to West Virginia. Fucking A. What yeah. the hell, man? Well, well, first of all, I'm going to say something. It, it got us pissed because we're, we're the age where West Virginia, to me, was the bigger rival than UVA. It was. It was more heated. It was nasty at that point in time in the 90s, in late 90s, early 2000s. They were good. We were fucking good. We were they burning were- shit and starting riots in in Blacksburg over this rivalry, man. It was fights. (laughs) We go there. I think nowadays it's not what it was, but I think you might see some heat because the Hokies early September go to Morgantown next year. Yep. There's a little skin in the game now too with with this transfer, and um, you know there there was hints here and there that. You know, Nestor was t- returning closer to home for family things, but then when you look at it, Blacksburg is closer. So, you know, if you'd have said he was heading to uh, Marshall, I'd have been like, okay, okay, but this ain't Marshall. 
No. <laughs> so, with that being said, I'm not really happy with this. I mean, I, I wish Nestor good luck in his career. I, I love what he did here, and I hope he does well in his career. But, yeah, there's, there's definitely one game I'm not cheering for him. <laughs> oh, no, not at all. <laughs> and, you know, again, best of luck to him. Um, but for us older in the fan base, and obviously our guest last week is one of them with, you know, starting school in 04 when it was still nasty. We just, this is the one that we just kind of grinded our teeth at and just say, okay, here's what I hope happens. I hope you miss your block and we crush your quarterback the first time and he's out the whole game. And one of those dogs up front starts yapping in his mouth. Yep. Hope that happens. All right. The second transfer, Brian, was Hudson. Um, Hudson did go closer to home. He went to Louisville. Um, it's in. You know, it's NACC. I don't know the next time we'll play them. It took seven years to play them the first time because he's liable to be long and gone by the time. We played Notre Dame twice before we played Louisville. And it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, it kind of crawls you under your skin that he did go to an ACC competitor. Um, obviously, there were things going on that we're not going to touch here that fits a lot of hearsay. It looks like a lot of back and forth with things going on. Um, Some of it wasn't so much hearsay. I mean, it was on the timeline. It just we don't know how much of that played into the decision to leave. Well, but, I mean, it, it was it was clear that you know Hoff and uh, and Hud's parents were beefing on the timeline. Grow up, people, <laughs> and probably off the timeline too. If I, who knows? But here's the thing, and and we're we're gonna hit the good news and then get into a couple other things. But Brian, what's going on there? Nestor started this year, right guard. You know, yeah, heavy rotational player when uh, when he wasn't starting. If they they were moving him around a little bit when uh, we had some guys out for COVID, had some guys out for injuries. But I mean, he was on the field most of the time. And Hudson was essentially, we were thinking he could start at left guard, he could start at center. If not, he's going to be the swing guy on the inside because he can play every position. And the Big game was that game where Brock got pulled. It wasn't HUD that went in. It was Hoyt. And we were just kind of like, well, hey, Brock. That raised some eyebrows. That definitely raised some eyebrows. Um, That game, you were immediately terrified. Oh, God, how many snaps are going to go over top of the quarterback's head? I was like, we're either going to snap it over the quarterback's head or he's going to be a little slow out of his uh, stance there. and We're going to end up with a sack before he even really has a chance to go through progressions. Um. I mean, we saw HUD play so much his freshman year, especially at center with some of the other guys going down and Hoyt just being Hoyt. Um, it was, it's, it's really shocking to me that he wasn't the first guy off the bench um, at the center position and that he saw so little work um, at guard. Um, we yeah. thought with, uh, you know, with Hoffman in there that, you know, HUD and Nestor would kind of be, you know, 1A, 1B at right guard. Mm-hmm. And Cannon was was kind of just the true number two there. Um, so I mean, he Hud's essentially number three at both the positions. We thought he'd be at least number two at. <laughs> and, and it kind of begs the question of what's going on inside that room because you know something something we talked about before we got on, guys. 
is are we kind of, is this a coaching staff right now that literally clears the board every year and says earn your spot versus what should probably be done of how'd you say it Brian uh, I mean essentially write it in pencil write it in uh, dry erase I mean you got guys that this was your position at the end of the year it's there but I can easily erase it if you don't you know carry your damn water versus saying oh no you've got to earn it again where it's kind of like that's sort of irritating I mean uh, they've done it with quarterbacks every year man I mean I it, I respect the idea behind it, but what I don't understand is that, like, I feel like they're taking it to the point where they're turning guys off that feel like they've earned their spot. Seemingly, we are we are projecting that this is what's yeah. Happening. This, is, this is speculation, but yeah. that, that that's the way. Again, that's the way the fan base is reading it. Yes, I feel like we are we're we're coming from a typical fan perspective. We're reading it from this way. And it seems to be turning the players off in some way. The guys that, for whatever reason, they feel like they're competing against a ghost almost every week. I mean, that that can get frustrating, man. And, um, you know, that, that I'm not trying to take anything away from, from Austin Cannon. I mean, he's been a very solid rotational player for us for the past three seasons. Um. But I, I thought that Hudson would have had a better shot at, at being the, the number two at that guard spot if we kept Nestor at guard. I, I mean, I personally advocated for going ahead and moving Nestor to to tackle when uh, when Darisol was leaving and having Hudson being the starting right guard. And I mean, that I was way off there. And I don't know if that's necessarily something that, you know, I missed the evaluation or if, you know, things are just weird in, in Viceland sometimes. Uh who knows, man? No one does. And you know why, Brian? Because no one talks. But let's move on. We've got a couple more things to hit. Like, we did get the Johnny Jordan transfer out of Maryland, the interior offensive lineman, which it hurts losing Nestor, it hurts losing HUD. But, you know, guys started quite a number of games in his career. Definitely doesn't have the ceiling of those players, but – at least we got something. To yeah, yeah. So I, I was, and I was describing it with Curtis when we, when I first saw it coming through. I feel like he's a step down from where Nestor was this season, but probably maybe a half step up or a step up from what Hudson would have potentially uh, put out in a 2020 season had he still been here. So not, you know, a huge um, get here, but at least something that I think will kind of stop the. Uh, the uh, the dam from breaking, if you will. Looked at some of his tape. Uh, saw he played in high school. He was a guard in high school. So he's been primarily a center for Maryland. Uh, but he's played guard in his career. So that's possibly he he would slide in a guard, or, or it could be a situation, you know, where we'd slide Hoff over to uh to right guard and let him play center, depending on their comfort level there. But decent pickup for us. Um, we need to hit the portal a lot more. But that's a that's a good start. Um, but I mean, it begs the question, man, let's talk about some offensive line depth in 2020 and offensive line depth in 2021. All right, Brian, you ready? Yep. Offensive line depth 2021 starting five, pretty nasty. Christian Darisol, the all American 
Letica Smith, who is getting higher and higher talk. I don't think he's got enough to make it this year. He puts another good campaign together. Leticus is going to be a guard in the first five rounds of the draft. Hoffman, the tone setter. Um, Nestor, the the second year sophomore who probably played more like he was a junior. And then Tanuda on the right side who had his ups and downs. Damn good. It's really good at at, uh, at sealing the edge there. Sometimes hit or miss in pass pro. Exactly. With the backups of Cannon, Hud, Silas, who was you know had gotten some good time the previous year in Hoyt, even with snapping issues, the guy's still okay at center. I mean, we were nine deep. We were nine deep on the line where you like any combination. Like okay, we we can we can make things happen. Yeah, yeah. You were nine deep. You feel like even if two guys go down, you're still able to put out a competent line, a line that you feel like can do something. Um, you know, a couple guys go down, pass pro gets a little spotty, yeah. but across the board, still still a pretty good line there. Um, 2021, what we're looking at this year. Ooh. Uh, we've got, uh, pro- I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say Tanuda is going to slide over to left. Um, he did. I could be wrong. Yeah. But he did during Darisol's. Yeah. He, he did when Darisol was out. So I'm going to assume that's what we're going to go with. Um, Lester Smith coming back left guard. I'm going to stick with Brock Hoffman at center. We'll put uh, Johnny Jordan as the penciled in right guard for now. And Silas Zanzi um, on the right tackle. And, and I feel good about that. I feel like that's an offensive line, not as dominant, but good enough to be productive. I think that's still a line that's better than we had in 2018 and 2019, but not a not a line that you want to you know get national publication like we were getting most of this season. But next is where it gets sort of. <laughs> with Jesse Hansen, Parker Clements, Caden Moore, and potentially Austin Cannon coming back. I mean, the, the the guy that we think is the if guy is the only guy with, you know playing experience. He started some games and he's he's had yeah. really heavy rotational work. So you know you'd, you'd feel good with Cannon as as kind of your swing man at the the both guard positions there. But beyond that, it's a bunch of question marks. Um, we know Caden is a road grader, but we don't know how he'll hold up in pass pro. Parker's got a good body for pass pro, but I don't know if he's kind of gotten kind of filled in and know, knows the offense well enough to where yeah. he's going to be able to do a lot. And I mean, Jesse Hansen is a talented player, but I think there's just you know, still some question marks there. Hopefully he's going to be a guy that's going to be more like Cannon that can kind of do a little bit of everything on the interior of the line there um, to be kind of that uh, that safety valve in the interior. Well, well, Hanson has a – to me, Hanson's a guy that has the potential to step because of, you know, you look at his body type, and when I say that, you know, Hanson is – he's 6'5", he's 310 pounds. He's that guy with that prototypical tackle body type where if something can just just click, he would be an unbelievable swing tackle. I think Parker Clements definitely got a little bit more 
seasoning, a little more weight before he's there. But who knows, a regular offseason, you don't know what can click. But essentially, I think we're going from an A to – I'll give it a C-plus for the way yeah. I'm looking at we, the we, If we're going to talk portal, um, we definitely need to hit at least one tackle Bam, in right. the portal. Because I think interior, we can mix and match, especially if Cannon's back. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hanson being more of a guard fit than a tackle fit, even though I think he might get play it, you definitely need to go and get a tackle that's not a essentially redshirt freshman as your as your swing guy. It's true, man. But the whole thing is, as we're sitting here talking portal in general, we, we, we've gotten one interior offensive lineman. We've yep. got another offensive lineman. Wide receiver's the iffy one because if we'd actually pass the ball like we did against UVA, you saw Chang Hodge become that stick mover. Yeah. We don't know what Evan Ferris can do. We feel great about Trey Tay and Big Stone Gap. Um, running Let's back. go ahead and move Blackshear to wide receiver because we've brought in 11 in the last two seasons. No, Brian. We're going to continue to put him in the backfield. He is not a spellback. We have 10 running backs. He should be in that group, Brian. No. He needs to be him and, and pay you working in the slot next year or one of those guys that can work outside and let Tay slide in the slot. If we go, we can go four wide if we need to sometimes, man. I'm just, I'm sick and tired of not getting guys with talent involved in the offense because you're fucking hard headed. And you made a decision, and you have to stick by that fucking decision to make you look like a big fucking genius. Ooh. Somebody just, uh, somebody poked a bear right there. Sorry. Sorry about that. Exactly. But the whole piece is, I, I kind of joked with Brian, other than running back, go the portal everywhere. I mean, yep. we, we, we need some defensive tackle depth. We need some defensive end depth. Um, we we need some linebacker depth if with Rook gone. With Rook officially gone, you got Dax and Tiz and Kishon, but you need at least one more. Um you know, you know, corner feels okay. Safety I think we need safety help with okay. anything in my opinion. You don't. Why don't you feel like safety's okay right now? Um we were kind of plugging and playing at uh, at one of the safety positions and we just lost our Best safety uh, is heading to the NFL draft. So we weren't solid at the boundary safety all season, and our free our, our free safety is now heading to the NFL. So I would like to at least get one safety that's got significant playing time at playing safety, <laughs> at playing the position of safety. Love you, Taylor. It was an awkward adjustment there you, you did okay in spots and you had some some ugly times in spots but i get it you were doing you were playing out of position most of the season so you, you get a little bit of a pass from me because of all the roster choices we made and some other unfortunate things happening just before the season started it's very true um and then you got to kind of go out there by the way folks go google and search 247 um portal and go look through that cluster heat. Jesus, Lord have mercy. Um, and it's going to grow. It's going to grow easily the next month. 
So we'll probably have, I feel like every episode that we're on, we're going to be talking about either somebody in the portal from tech. We picked up somebody, somebody who was in it, but now is back home. Yeah, we're going full Wild Wild West here pretty soon, guys. I mean, as crazy as the uh, kind of the first round is has been here, I feel oh. like we're going to see probably another second round. Either if it's not sometime in early January, it's going to be sometime um, as we get to spring ball and people start seeing that they're further down the depth chart than they thought they'd be. Exactly. And that's going to be super interesting going to be something fun to watch and uh yeah so you know all right brian after let's let's just hit real quick before we get into picks yep we we clearly had our blow off last week yeah yeah that that was that was us bringing on a guy that wanted to get stuff off his chest and we were throwing in with him i i still uh, and it's going to be the third time I say it. I don't feel good about next year. I want to be completely wrong on everything. It's no disrespect to the players. I want the players to to win. I want the players to get theirs. Yeah. Um, but we we had the presser. We discussed that. And that felt okay. But it's like, well, what's going to happen next? And that's going to be my issue. Because you can say it, you can have an opening presser or a end of season presser and make things sound like, oh, we're going to do some changing. But it's like, oh, what are you going to change though? And, yeah, that's the big thing we need to see is what are what are these changes? Are there are they wholesale changes um, with the way we're getting guys involved in the offense? Is it wholesale change? I mean, I feel like on the defensive side, a lot of it's just going to be reps and actually having time to evaluate guys at the positions that you need to. To me, it's not even that. What about the opening of the program? Yeah, I'd like to see that too. Because if you're if we're going to sit here, and my thought is probably potentially in March, they're going to probably start maybe letting the press back in to some of those where the press can be on site. Maybe. But then what are they giving? If they're having scrimmages, are they allowing anyone in? And I mean, they could still say, well, COVID and you know, they, they essentially they have a, they have their ace in the hole this year. Well, COVID can't, can't let people in scrimmages, can't do this, can't do that, which is bullshit because <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be the MO of the coaching staff. Yep. The other piece is I won't answer. And, and I don't know how you say it, but I want, you want somebody to ask, all right, what's the depth chart look like? And and somebody is to, to grill them and say, why? So you're telling me that Brock Hoffman has to earn a center spot? Things like that. Yeah. Because if, you know, six months from now, we could be sitting here and we could go through spring and all this, and we could be sitting here in, in a late July, heading towards 4th of July, a normal 4th of July, hopefully. And me and you sitting here like – What's the difference, Brian? And you're going to be like, there is none. They yeah. talked it. They have followed nothing through. It's like, are, are we are we just going to be sitting around with the same, like, okay, well, we got this this roster. It's kind of the same without a couple of the better pieces that we had last year. And they didn't change anything in how they're executing on the field. They didn't change anything of how they're making adjustments in the game. 
They didn't make any other sort of changes. They're not even giving us the access that we want to even enjoy the things that, you know, this team is offering. So like, if we don't see something, something that we can grab hold to and try to try to pull some positives out of, I mean, people are going to just stop fucking coming, stop paying attention and it's going to be sad. And I'm, I'm hoping it doesn't get to that. I'm hoping that something is done, whether it's on the field or off the field to get the fans engaged in this program again, because that's going to be important enough with, with COVID man, enough people have said, I don't need this unless you're giving me a product that I care about. Exactly. The biggest scare is going to go from anger to apathy. Yeah. And I hate to say this. I think, I think people, the first month of the season, people might be energized, but you go out there and you look shitty against middle Tennessee. You look shitty against Richmond. You lose to West Virginia and you lose that opening ACC game. It's going to go to apathy. And once apathy hits with, if apathy hits, you better fucking fire him. Yep. Because there's going to be somebody with a hell of a lot more money and a hell of a lot more pull than me is going to be like, fuck you, get out. And I mean, I know we said we wouldn't do this, but fire him mid season so we can get a jump on the candidates because I feel like we're going to need to secure someone before things get into bowl season and we start seeing other firings at these bigger programs. And now we're getting, you know, the trickle down coach and not the frontline guy. Exactly. All right. Well, let's, let's jump and have a little fun, Brian. Let's uh, we have lined up nine bowls that are starting tomorrow afternoon through the second. So we're going to do these in an order. We're definitely going to pick the playoff games at the end. We're not going to put them where they should be because that's the way I want to fucking do it. And, why would we skip go to those bowls in the middle and then talk about two meaningless bowls later? Yeah. We're putting the we're putting the shit that matters at the end, guys. Exactly. All right, let's start it tomorrow afternoon. I think it's a two thirty kick. The Cheese It Bowl, which I'm very hungry now. I'd like a big box of cheese it right now. Um Miami versus Oklahoma State. Uh, this is pretty much a pick'em game. Oklahoma State at last look lane one and a half. Brian, earlier this week we got the wonderful news that De'Aaron King would be returning to Miami. Yes. Um, and it's not I, great news, but I mean it could be worse, I guess. <laughs> On the Miami front, anyway, uh, I still like Miami in this game. I think De'Aaron King takes care of business. I feel like him coming back is kind of a good uh, boost for them. Uh, despite some of the other things that, you know, with opt-outs and all that other stuff that you can't control. Um, I, I still like Miami here. Um, I feel like Oklahoma State has been kind of inconsistent this season on, on the whole, um, even though they fielded a pretty good squad. So I'll take Miami here. Um, this is, I mean, again, it's basically a pick on game. And obviously, you know, like it kind of feels dirty to take Miami, but you feel like with Oklahoma State, uh, did Hubbard opt out? Did Chuba Hubbard opt out? That's kind of this is the way I'm leaning right now. If Chuba Hubbard opted out, then I am probably gonna go with Miami as well. 
Sorry, Brian. I'm efforting to his Twitter account to see if he, he opted uh, out. Give me Miami. I'll take the points because that makes me feel like, yep, definitely. I'll let you jot that down on there. Yep. Um, I mean, another thing with Miami, I feel like they had their, their shit the bed game already. <laughs> they got that out of their system. So hopefully they'll, they'll show up this time. Yeah, Miami, who, if they beat UNC, is probably playing in the Orange Bowl. Yep. <laughs> like not having to leave home or anything. Exactly. So they, they got their shit the bed game out of the way before the bowl season. All right. Next, let's look at the Alamo Bowl. Colorado and Texas. Um, no, Texas was not back this year. Tom Herman, I'm trying to figure out how he saved the job. I'm I'm guessing there was enough variables with COVID that they are just riding one more year. Um, They're also Texas, and they can do whatever they want. Yeah, I mean, they've got the money to both cover his whatever his buyout is and buy out whatever coach they decide to hire. So money's not the question <laughs> for them, uh, other than whatever the optics are of doing that with you know, people losing their jobs and shit like that. So they are laying eight against Colorado, Colorado, uh, first season under Carl Durrell, um, four and one only game they lost was at the, um, end of the season. They obviously had quite a few games canceled, um, beat Arizona, got a coach fired. San Diego state's always a solid team and Stanford and UCLA, um, you know, are what they are. That's going to be in Texas. It just feels too big the way Texas played this year. Um, But on the other hand, Tommy Herman, one game seems like he always can get his nut up and figure things out. I will lay the points. Give me Texas. All right. I'm going to actually go the other direction here. Um, I think Colorado showed me enough. Um, Texas is really bad on defense. Um, I think Colorado will be able to score, and I think that that's going to be enough to where Texas has to squeak out a win instead of having a comfortable win at the end there. So I'll take Colorado. Got it. All right. Well, Brian, there comes a time when Belt becomes the Duke's mayonnaise bowl. I feel like this bowl is like got Halifax written all over it, man. Like everyone from Halifax eats Duke, Duke's mayonnaise on their sandwich. Everybody from Halifax shops at Belt. <laughs> it's the ultimate connection to our hometown. Um, and this year it's Wake Forest, Wisconsin. Wisconsin laying seven and a half points. Um, obviously, we saw Wake this year, and um, that was the beginning of our frustrations because if we had just run the right damn thing, we make Wake look a lot worse than they actually are, but we didn't. We got stupid um, yeah. in offense. And y'all know who we're referring to in that case when you try to run at the edges of a team that sets the edges well versus the inside where they're shit. <clears throat> oh, sorry. We're picking the Wisconsin game. Um, Give me Wisconsin. <laughs> Wisconsin's going to blow the doors off Wake Forest. I don't care if Wake Forest had to drive two hours to Charlotte to play this game. Um, Wisconsin – more talent, better quarterback, better run game, better defense. I'm with you because honestly, I Wake Forest befuddles me. Um, 
just across the board. Like, so, you know, they, they lose a game to NC State at the beginning of the year on, you know, went down to the wire. Um, then they close the year by getting blown out by Louisville. And in the middle there, they beat us, they beat Virginia, and take UNC to the damn brink. I don't know what this team is anymore. Like, I thought I knew in the middle of the season when we played our game, but I apparently have no fucking idea who they are. So, in that case, I will take Wisconsin. <laughs> exactly. I've seen Wisconsin blow people out. The The losses were to three pretty good teams. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Wisconsin wins big on that one. All right, Brian. Let's get into the New Year's Six. In an intriguing matchup, I, like one I'm actually looking forward to watching um, is going to be on Wednesday night, the Cotton Bowl with Florida versus Oklahoma. This line flipped big. It is Oklahoma two and a half now. Just a few days ago, it was Florida like minus four, so a six and a half point swing. Obviously, Florida's got quite a few opt-outs going on. But uh, what are you feeling on this one? Uh, it would have been a no-brainer for Florida um, before these opt-outs. But we had, what, just in the last 24, 48 hours, several of uh, the key players for the Florida have, have opted out. So I'm going to take Oklahoma here. Um, I mean, it's pretty much a field goal game here, close to, as, as close to a pick em as you can get without being a pick em. Um, so I'll, I'll take Oklahoma. Yeah, you got um, Kadarius Tony opting out. I'm trying to see if Kyle Pitts is opting out. Mark and Marco Wilson opting yep. out. Um, more receivers. So I'm with you. Give me Oklahoma. Um, just because I feel like Oklahoma is going to be able to score on the Florida defense. And with Florida, with more and more people opting out by the day, you just got to feel they're not going to be able to keep up and yeah. definitely not within. Um, yeah, so Florida had Tony Pitts and Grimes all opt out. That's your best receiving target and two of your good receivers. Um, what about Trask? Has Trask decided to opt out yet? Or is he going to? I haven't seen anything about Trask. Uh, well, he's kind of still playing for uh, – and then Marco Wilson on the other side of the ball. So, yep. Yep. yeah, yeah. So that I mean that makes Oklahoma kind of a no-brainer here. But uh, all right, let's go down to Atlanta next, Brian, in the Peach Bowl with the Georgia Bulldogs and the Cincinnati Bearcats, the undefeated Bearcats, AAC champions, with Luke Fickle. Marcus Freeman, a defensive coordinator. I think they're looking for a little respect in this game. And I think with the amount of time they have to prepare, and, again, I I can't see Georgia blowing them out. I can't see Georgia winning by 10 points. I think it's going to be a scrapper. And when you have that sort of game, always go dog. So give me Cincy, give me the seven points. I think they pull the upset out right. I think it's going to be an absolute war. Going to be an absolute war on um, 
New Year's Day at noon before we get into the big games. Keep an eye on it. Okay. I'm actually right there with you. Uh, I'm not going outright win, but I think Cincy is definitely looking for some respect after all of this big-time snubbing by the committee, probably at least having them at least probably two slots lower than you would think they should be based on oh, yeah. what some other teams have done. Um, most most people had them right behind uh, A&M, kind of right there at that sixth spot. And that's not what happens. So I feel like they're they're playing for some respect. They kind of got a little bit more of the roster that they're used to than maybe Yaga does. So I will go with Cincy. I'm not going to go with the outright win, but later point. Uh, yeah. All right. Next one is going to be the Fiesta Bowl with Oregon and Iowa State. Iowa State laying four points. So Brian, what do you think on this one? Uh, Oregon's going to outright win this game. Woo, buddy. Um, I think it's going to be very, very close. But and and I mean the line says it there. It's it's at four, but I think Oregon's going to squeak it out. You think Oregon squeaks it out here? Yep. I'm kind of going to be with you if you think about the the bowl game last year where I, a lot of people didn't, I'm not going to say gave them a chance, but um, just one of those things where it's like, it seems like Mario Cristobal is a kind of guy when he gets into a one game situation, he has very good. This is how we're going to win this game. When he can control long-term outcomes, he does a very good job. He does. And so give me the 4-2. I'm with you. I think Oregon wins this game outright. Um, <clears throat> and this game's going to be on Saturday afternoon at 4. So, you know, get your beverages, get your popcorn, get ready for it. All right, before we hit the big two games, um, let's go to the Orange Bowl. Or excuse me, yes, the Orange Bowl on Saturday night. North Carolina, Texas A&M. Texas A&M laying seven points. Carolina's already had a few guys already opt out. Um, I've got to say this is going to be A&M big. I think A&M pissed because I think A&M says we had to play Bama second week in the season. They beat us by 28. Ohio State's played five games. Why didn't we get in? And oh, they played six, but they shouldn't have played six because the big big uh, ten changed the rules. They kept changing the rules, and kept, <laughs> remember it was it was six when they looked like it was it was seven, but then it went to six. Yeah, it looked like they were only going to get. They six. were like they essentially kept finding ways to make Ohio State the um, conference champion. So I think that's that's all they did. They kept finding ways so that Ohio State would be their conference champion, so they would have a chance of having a team in the college football playoff. And I don't disrespect them for doing it. It's still shitty. It's still very shitty. <laughs> so give me A&M. Give me A&M by three touchdowns. I'm I'm pretty much right there with you. I don't know if I'll take the three touchdowns, but I'll definitely take more than the seven, um, especially since I don't know what UNC team is going to show up. True. Like, if the defense that played against us and against Wake Forest shows up, it's going to be more than 21 points. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, if you're giving up 
points to the fifth in the fifties to a losing team in those matchups, you definitely going to get your ass ran against uh, Texas A&M. Damn. All right. Well, let's go to the playoffs, man. The Rose bowl in Arlington, not Pasadena. Yeah. Rose bowl by way of uh, Texas. Rose Bowl in Texas, I, I I give them I give I, I don't know if this the Rose Bowl committee or Northwestern Mutual who sponsors it, I give them credit for moving it where fans could come at least at least the kids families could show up. So California, you're a bunch of idiots. If nothing else for that game, you should have said every player, coach, staff member can bring four family members. That they got us what a seventy thousand seat stadium. You can't just spread some motherfuckers out, like dude, let a thousand in there and spread them out. Dude, no, Rose Bowl is a hell of a lot bigger than that, man. How big is the Rose Bowl? I forget how big the Rose Bowl is. Is hold on, say that again. Ninety thousand. So yeah, they could have done. You that. can let a, you can let a thousand people in there and spread their ass out. Yes, you could. It's not that hard. All right, this is a big one. This is Notre Dame. This is Alabama historic programs, which I feel like I, I don't know what meeting this is for them. I'm gonna effort this real quick. They've only played seven times, seven times, which is just insane to think. Last time was clearly 2013 in the BCS championship game where Bama blew their doors off. Then 87, 86, 80. Yeah, they they didn't play. A single time between 87 and the 2012 National Championship game. Only three times in bowl games. Going That's back crazy. 70s. It's crazy. Um, Bama's laying 19, Brian. <clears throat> what are you thinking? You know what? My head is saying take Bama and the points. They've been playing fucking lights out. But I feel like this was going to be tighter than, uh, than that 2012 matchup. Oh yeah, we're we're gonna see a little more fight out of the Irish. I feel like there's some guys on that team that are playmakers. They're they're big play guys um, in the right circumstance. So I think the Irish will keep it closer than the 19. So give me the Irish there. Yep. I, I, and I'm gonna go with you on this. And if the Irish are smart and they didn't do this against Clemson, they have the talent where they need to slow this game to a fucking crawl. Yep. I mean, literally, snap the ball with two seconds on the clock. Do not try to pay, play pace with Alabama. Don't do that. And I hate to say this, and I'm going to go back to our game versus Clemson this year. Look how it worked. You limited possessions. You slowed the game down. You went to some of your strengths. Yep. And we were in that ball game. Notre Dame, when that game started here that th- a couple Saturdays ago, I'm like, slow it down. And they're trying to sling the ball. I'm like, you're 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 playing the game. You can't run Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree until they can't run the ball anymore, and use Ian Book as your stick mover on third down. That's it. Slow, steady, slow, steady. I'll take it because I think Brian Kelly's a smart enough coach to know that's his only chance to win. But by all means, if we're sitting here on Friday afternoon and I'm seeing them go three and out because they're trying to sling the ball and be like, fuck. 
<laughs> Easy as that. That's all right, man. I, I think they'll they'll bring a little bit more fight than they did against Clemson. I think I think they'll have a better game plan, especially with the amount of time they had to prepare for it. Um, and I think they've seen what can happen against Clemson, and they'll learn from that mistake as well. All right. Well, speaking of Clemson, they are playing Ohio State in the Sugar Bowl. Um, Clemson's laying seven and a half points. Mm-hmm. Did you hear Dabo's comment about why he put Ohio State 11? I heard it. Um, well, the other teams have played nine or more games, and yeah. I have put them above because nine or four games. All right, Dabo, we we got you. We got you. You know, you kind of backtracked why you put them 11 versus just saying, well, I don't know if they're good or not. They ain't played enough games. That's all you had to say. Yeah. Not that the other teams had played a bunch of games. Um but this is obviously a rematch from last year that literally went down to the wire. Um, and the way I feel about it this year is I do not think Ohio State is as good on defense as they were last year. I think Clemson's better on offense. I think their line is better than it was last year. I think Lawrence has went another notch with the way that they're running that offense. I I I can't I, I see this as a ten or fourteen point game somewhere like forty two twenty eight forty two thirty one going to be competitive but I think Clemson pulls away late. What do you think? I think Ohio State will have a lead in this game. I think they still lose by at least ten points. Okay. Uh, I think Ohio State might jump out early and kind of have like a ten seven or a fourteen seven lead somewhere in the first or second quarter, but I think Clemson is just going to be too much across four quarters. Um, Eventually that offense is going to break through, get some points on the board. Um, I like Clemson's defense more than I like Ohio State's defense, and I like Clemson's offense because it's more dynamic than what Ohio State is, even though Ohio State can definitely put some points on the board. So I'm going to take uh, Clemson to cover there. All righty. So there are picks for the next six days. Looking forward to see how we uh, do. Now, Brian, I'm scrolling through here. Is there anything else we are missing? I haven't seen anything of note pop through. No, nobody else has entered the transfer portal in the you know, hour we've been recording here. So I think we're going to be all right. <laughs> we think. I'm trying to see Jalen Holston put a video up a couple hours ago that I did not see. I'm assuming he is back. All right. Well, folks, that is going to wrap up this episode of the Boundary Corner Podcast. I am Curtis Wilson. I'm Brian Siegler. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and hit the subscribe button for the podcast on your favorite source, including Spotify, Amazon, and Apple Podcasts. We always look for feedback. DM us on Twitter. Leave a review on one of the podcast sources so we can read it, what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. As always, we let our buddy Jason Long play us out. Catch him on Spotify and Apple Music. We thank you for listening. And as always, let's go. Okies.